Welcome back, friends, to In Faith and Doubt. In our last conversation, we had the chance to talk about what we were calling theological envy. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that, we'd strongly urge you to go back and potentially uh, revisit that. That is, how do you you know you think about um, engaging other traditions and tribes, and how in the world you can be content in the one that God has placed you? But I want to I want to kind of pivot a bit here and talk about something I get a lot of emails about. So I I can recall. When I uh, my book After Doubt came out last year, uh, which is on these topics of uh, of doubt, deconstruction, walking through these experiences faithfully with Jesus, I got an email from uh, a man who uh, read the book and was super. He was extraordinarily complimentary and, and gracious about the book, and he and his story was that he was walking with his wife. Uh, through her own deconstruction journey when he himself was not. Um, he's pastoring a church and his wife uh, is walking through this journey of kind of questioning a lot of the things that even their church um, believed. And he he was saying just how the book kind of gave him some frameworks and language to use in how to serve uh, serve her. But that email, I guess it haunts me a bit. I I, I don't know. It's it stuck with me. Um and maybe maybe it haunts me because i i can connect that to some pretty emotional moments in my own life of people who i used to share the faith with yeah. who who no longer identify as christians and i don't i don't know how to relate to be honest it's hard to relate it's it's a little bit like um i'm a big blazer fan it, I'm trying to be. It's a hard year to be a Blazer fan. It's 2022. I went to my first Blazers game. Did you a really? Weeks ago. Oh my god. We goodness. lost. Yeah. No. No. No shock. Um, but you know, if you if you have a friend who you meet at at the Rose Garden, you know, and you love the Blazers and they love the Blazers, and then you know you find out that the Blazers got sold and they're moving to Seattle or something. No oh boy. You know, you remove the thing that you had the shared love about. Does the relationship still remain? Mm-hmm. And when you're walking with somebody where the thing that made your relationship strong or the thing that you shared is no longer shared. Right. What does the relationship look like? I don't, I don't know if many of us are walking many. I don't know if many of us are not walking with somebody who are going through these pastors are walking through this. Um, Our, our spouses, our friends are for some of us, maybe even our children are walking through this. Like, when you've raised a child to love Jesus and then they no longer love Jesus, how do you relate to your child? That's hard stuff. Yeah. That's hard stuff. Um, and it, and it, and it, and it provokes, I think an important conversation that we should have about how do you walk with specifically today? How do you walk with a friend Yeah, who is walking through doubt and deconstruction in an, in a deep way? Um, what would be your initial stab at that? At that question. Yeah. First of all, buy all my books. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Watch my YouTube clips and you will no longer have to wrestle. For $9.99 a month. <laughs> no, my first you know, instinct is to say, what should we not do? Like, what are the obvious things mm. you shouldn't do? Mm. And uh, two things come to mind of what not to do. One thing is- that, not, this is This is when you're walking with a friend. When you're walking with a friend. Who's going yeah. through these things. Okay. Yeah. Number one, the wrong thing to do is nothing. Ah, right. And I feel like there's this awkwardness, like it's a private thing. They're over there doing their thing. I don't know what to say. So I'm just not going to say anything. I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. 
I think that's, meaning ignoring it, just ignoring pretending it. like it doesn't exist. Yeah, just like talk about the weather, talk about yeah. good old days. So I think one problem is just like I don't know what to say, I don't know how to help them, so I'm not going to do anything. Yep. And I feel like a lot of there's a lot of pressure to do that because uh, you don't know what to say or do. Mm-hmm. The opposite can, of that. Can I before you keep going? Yeah. Just, 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 just. To, can I just add something to that? Mm-hmm. So number one, the probably the the worst thing you can do is just ignore it. Right. Um, a friend of mine, just just to add to that, a friend of mine who recently is going through, right now is walking through the deconstruction phase in her journey, um, has stepped away from the church. And she said to me the hardest thing uh, for her right now, she's probably stepped away for about six months, is just simply no calls. Yeah. Like just that she's gone unseen. And she expressed to me, that tells you a lot about who I was in the community. Exactly. Is the now I'm not we're not trying to create guilt. All of us have not called somebody. But but ignoring and not picking up the phone, that does actually more harm. Yeah, and, and it and it's you know, for many people like you and me, where our faith is really important to us, uh that friend is just not recognizing the weight yeah. we have in our life yep. going through that. So so doing nothing on you know, on one end doing nothing is a problem because a friend wants to really care. Uh, for their friend. Yep. The opposite is also a problem where your instinct is to put a Band-Aid on the mm. problem or intellectually talk them out of the problem or shame them for the problem. Now, no one would do this intentionally, but I feel like when someone's sharing about their doubts or um, uh, disappointment with the church or the Bible, you know, sometimes our inclination is to answer their questions. Yeah. Or to say, here's what I do. Or here's a YouTube clip. <laughs> here's a YouTube clip. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that's super dangerous. So like, you know, Amazon send them an apologetics book, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, every now and again, somebody benefits from that. But AJ, you and I in this podcast have worked pretty hard to say uh, you can't solve people's problems mm. yeah. by just giving them intellectual answers. We're both intellectuals. We care about intellectual conversations. But in many cases, the experiences that people are going through in the midst of of this doubt journey, deconstruction journey, or sometimes deconversion journey is multifaceted, comprehensive. It's there are emotional layers, there are intellectual layers, there are social layers, there are trauma layers. I mean, there's all kinds of layers. And so um, you know. I think for me, because I'm an intellectual, because I'm academic, like I would want to just give answers yeah. as an instinct right? and just say, well, you know, the Bible says this, the Bible says that. Which it may be true what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, you may have the answer, Yeah, but giving the answer as sort of trite, quick response actually yeah. ends up pushing the person further away. Because they're, they're on a journey, right? And th- they're going through a certain set of experiences. So, you know, I, I would want to encourage a friend to get involved uh, to care, but um, there's a danger in kind of rushing to try mm. to cut off that journey and turn them around. Mm. I guess it speaks to the goal, right? Like, what is the the goal? If if I'm walking with somebody who's in the in the deconstruction journey, I need to ask the question: Okay, as a friend, like, what is my goal right now? Is my goal to bring them back to where I am at? Or is my goal to be a faithful witness to Christ to that person in the midst of their struggle? I mean, it's the, right? We have many stories in the Bible about friendship. We've yeah. got the David-Jonathan 
story of friendship, beautiful. We've got uh, God calling Abraham multiple times his friend, Jesus calling us his friend. Um, and of course, we have the story of Job's friends. Now, it's funny that we call them Job's friends because they're anything but friends. That They're actually anti-friends in the story. They, it's a model of these three blind guides who come to Job not bearing presence uh, as, in, as in their presence, rather coming to Job and bearing answers. Right. Well, Job, if you had not done this, this wouldn't have happened. Or Job, if you had been more righteous, this wouldn't have happened. Or Job, if you had, if you had rethought this, maybe God wouldn't have done this. And this, you know, the central feature of the story of Job is God. It's not Job. But the friends, I think, essentially, at the end of the day, they misunderstand the goal Hmm. of friendship. The goal of friendship in faithful, I think, in friendship under the rule and reign of Yahweh, Mm -hmm. of God, is not bearing a set of answers. It is bearing an embodied incarnate presence in dust in the, on the ground. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm sitting with somebody who's going through deconstruction and I just, they, they, they brought all their questions up and I said, well, here are some awesome YouTube clips. I can tell you almost immediately what that's going to end up doing to that person. Right. It's going to push them further away from me as a potential friend in the process, because they're going to see that I'm just interested in giving them a clip rather than giving them myself. When in reality, probably what they're longing for is not an answer. They're looking for a friend. Right. It is hard. And I'll name this. I've been through the deconstruction journey. You have as well on some levels. Mm-hmm. People that are deconstructing their faith can be grumps. Mm-hmm. They can be frustrating. They're discontent. They're Everything is wrong. It's frustrating. It can be a form of grief. Absolutely. It can be grieving. Yeah. Maybe like you sort of want to say, hey, just cheer up, right? Listen right. to a Bethel album and get yeah. over it. We're all fine. Yeah. You want to say that. It's our tendency to want to get people out of their deconstruction process and get back into where we're, where yeah. we're at. Happy, clappy. Happy, clappy, all that, right. all that, all that stuff. Um, but if you were sitting with a friend who was walking through this journey and they were pouring their heart and soul out, Nijay, how would you practically respond in the moment? To being a friend in that moment, you know, you know, I think an important part is identification. Just identifying with them. If they're saying like, "The church has really hurt me, and they've hurt some people around me," mm. you know, it would be the wrong thing for me to say. Well, that's just your take on it. Mm. That's just your opinion. Like I, I like you know, if if one of my kids or one of my friends was going through you know trauma with the church and said, "You know, this church, this pastor, really hurt me." You know, I would want to say, you know, I, I've experienced that too. Yeah. And maybe obviously not in the same way or to the same degree, but I'd want to identify with them and say, you know, my big picture and what we've been trying to do in this podcast, I think, is to say none of us have a perfect experience in the church. None of us have a perfect relationship with God. None of us believe with perfect faith. And that's okay. Um, you know, it, it's it's... Um, you know, I always go back to that story from the Gospel of John where Jesus gives this hard teaching, I think John chapter 8, and it's just nobody understood a single word that Jesus said, hmm. and all these disciples leave, and then you have the 12 left, and Jesus says, you know, are you going to leave too? Hmm. And they say, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. And I think the subtext of that is, uh, 
this is the best gig we have. <laughs> right. We can't find anything better. No plan B. It's, what they're not saying is, we got you, Jesus. We understood you 100%. Hmm. We love your teaching. We love being on the road with you. Like They're not saying that. But they are saying like something, something in in all of this makes sense, even though a lot of other things don't. Yeah, right. Um, and that, in many ways, that's our experience of the Christian faith, where we say there's this thing that's that's compelling me to hold on to Jesus, but then all there's us all of this other stuff that makes me really unhappy or uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I love that. I'm gonna push further. But don't we also? have an obligation if we were true friends, if we had a friend who was deconstructing to the point that it was becoming deconversion, they were walking away from from Jesus. Don't we at that point also have a responsibility to say, to, to say, hey, that's that's a that's a dark path. Yeah. I mean, I I how do you do that? And I do, but by the way, this I don't think identifying just with everybody's pain is the whole solution. I think there are times if we were true friends, wounds from a friend could be trusted, Proverbs yeah. tells us. There are times to look somebody in the face and say, friend, you the trajectory you are on is a trajectory towards destruction yeah. and harm for you, your soul, your spirit, your family, your circle. How do we do that? Now I could say it at least from my perspective, it only works to be able to do that kind of confrontive work with somebody who's in full-on deconversion mode, it only works if I ask permission. Yeah. Meaning, starting the conversation by saying, can I have permission to actually share my deepest heart with you? Yeah. If I don't ask for that and do the work of confrontation, it can actually do, it, again, it can end up pushing the person further away. I don't What do you think about that? Do you think there's a role for friendly confrontation as well? I, I think there is. It you know, obviously depends on the nature of the relationship and you need to really have that intimacy and that friendship to be able to do that. Um, it can't be just someone you kind of casually know, although AJ, you're probably really much better at this than I am because, uh, you know, it is really hard for me to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'll tell you what I've seen and I don't say this in any, uh, way that makes me feel like, you know, Christianity is perfect, but I've seen two or three friends go through deconversion or deconstruction to the point where they're not connected to yep. churches and they don't seem happy, you know, two, three, four or five years later. If, if there is this story where someone deconstructed, deconverted, and now they're living their best life, <laughs> you know, and maybe that happens. It's got to happen to somebody, I'm sure. But the people around me, you know. It's not like they've found Buddhism and now they've, you know, experienced complete inner peace. Yeah. Or they, you know, are living for their work or the, for their family and they experience perfect peace. Um, so looking back, I, I wish I had more of those conversations. I, I okay, so I'm gonna play the, you know, inexperienced, I wouldn't know how to do this. Um, you know, from what you said, AJ, that would be intimidating to me. Terrifying. To be able to say to somebody, can I tell you why I'm still in this? Yeah. I don't, I, I'm trying to think if I've ever had that. Conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I've just prayed for people, prayed really, you know, fastidiously for people, and hoping that they'll they'll come around. Or I'll check in with people, but you know, I I admire the fact that you're willing to step out there. So tell me, you've probably done this before, AJ. How do those conversations go? Um, well, one in particular, um, I don't. I it still hurts. I mean, yeah. one in particular to uh, a friend of mine. Uh, and and myself confronted a mutual friend 
over over the trajectory of where where he was going and we lost the friendship mm. it was very painful it's still painful even mentioning mm. it to this mm. day uh and talking about it uh it's hard to to have lost a friendship over what i perceive to be what a true friend should do is actually you know if 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 you saw a friend that was about to walk off a cliff and you remained silent is that the loving thing to do you know there are times right. that speaking up is actually the act of love. And I did that and I lost the friend because of it. And it's, it stinks. It's very painful. At the same time, I sleep really well at night knowing that I was vulnerable and honest with my friend. Mm. And I think if I hadn't and he'd still gone through the process he did, then I would I would be losing sleep that I wasn't a good friend, that I didn't mm. say anything. But I think for me, the key was I was invited to share. It was not a forced, coercive confrontation. He invited me in, and I'm grateful he did. Now, the friendship didn't last beyond that, sure. but I'm grateful that he invited me me into that. Um, I have this experience. We've talked about this. We, we have the same spiritual director. No wonder we're such healthy human <laughs> beings. In my, you know what I've noticed about my counselor and my spiritual director? Um, and this is a unique feature of those two vocations that I don't often see in many other arenas. And that is this. I can tell my counselor or my spiritual director a frustration that I have with church or or my faith, and they don't take it personally. Yeah. That meaning that meaning there's this, and I think that actually counselors would tell us that there's a word for this. It's called uh containment. Mm-hmm. And containment is the idea that a, a healthy relationship is one in which one of the two people can have their own emotional journey and the other person doesn't own it for themselves. They don't, they don't make it their pain. They allow the other person to have the pain. I wonder what it would look like in friendship to practice theological containment, which means how can I walk with somebody in their journey and not allow their journey to super destroy my journey. Sure. Right? That there's a sense of containment. You're allowed to have your journey and it's not going to bring me down, as it were. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, sometimes when we don't have containment, I think there's there's fear there. You know, there's a fear of um how they're how you're you're entering into their situation might contaminate your experience, uh, maybe. Uh and then there's kind of what you're anticipating is this is this temptation to for quick fix uh, yeah. on their end as well? Yeah. Um, you know, I think a good friend first and foremost uh, enters into the situation with the person. So, so having containment can be helpful, but is really difficult. Yeah. Because you know your goal is to step into that with them yeah. in some way. Yeah. Yeah. There's. Have you? I'm no doubt you've you've seen this. There's been a big debate in the last couple of months about the question of is empathy a sin. Uh, is empathy, is being empathetic going to corrupt your own soul or something like that, which is kind of a silly argument. Um, I understand the point of it, the point of the argument and that there's a valid point is it is, it can be possible that we don't have boundaries and we allow other people's pain to completely subsume our own journey. And we, we no longer have a self. I understand the heart behind that, but to be, but to be a friend, doesn't just mean you sit with someone. You you do enter into their pain with them. Hmm. And I don't know. There's a balance that you can take it too far. I think we can be too um 
we can forget to have containment when we, if I'm walking with a friend who's got great questions or struggling and they, they, I can take it too far if their questions all of a sudden start destroying my faith. That, yeah. that, I don't know. There's a, there's a, there's a, a balance. Like we've got to be cautious and empathetic <laughs> at the same time. I, this is the messiness of relationships. You know, where, where do I end and another person begins? Yeah. And in friendship, you do start to mix. You know, AJ and I off the air have talked about um, our our appreciation for the the Pope, uh, Pope Francis, and he sometimes gets himself in a hot water mm. for empathizing yes. with people going through something difficult. And in what situations is he just another person caring for a person? Mm. And mm. then in other situations, he's you know the pontiff. Right. <laughs> and he gets a little bit, you know, the, the difference between the two sometimes yeah. gets him in trouble. What I appreciate about him is he's he's a caring person. Yeah. Oh, he no cares, no question. Cares yeah. for people. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, you know, I do think going back to your statement about needing to actually, you know, have difficult words sometimes, um, you know, that is, that is a role a friend plays. Um, at the same time recognizing this is this person's journey. There's mm-hmm. only so much yeah. you can do. Yeah. Uh, that I think that's the hard part. Um, I, this may be a way off question, but do you think people are deconstructing more now than they did a generation ago? Is this, or is it just that we're talking about it in different ways now? I, I think that what's changed is we are now asking our, I don't think there's any new question under the sun. What I think is happening is we are now asking questions outside of the environment of the people we live with. So mm-hmm. we're, we're now, we're asking them on Twitter and yeah. subreddit Global. forums, and we've taken our questions and put them outside the time and space that God has placed us in. And so our questions are out there while we are right here with the people we are around. And the problem is that we, no wonder we're so lonely. I mean, we, we could you, I just imagine for a moment, if all of us had to stop being on Twitter today, we would have to actually have friends where we are. Mm. I mean, at least more, we would, we'd actually have to talk to people around us. It'd be an amazing adventure. I don't even know what that would be like anymore. I don't think there's new questions. I think where we're taking the questions has has changed. I mean, pastors, yeah. That, I mean, it creates it's it's created a, a challenging environment for pastors. And I have a tremendous. I was a pastor for twenty years, and I have a tremendous amount of sympathy for pastors at this moment in history, um, because um, increasingly people are taking their questions everywhere but the congregation that they uh, they worship in, and that it makes for a very difficult. Very difficult, and I think to be honest, when you're a pastor and you're walking with congregants who are deconstructing, it's very hard because often when people are deconstructing, they're deconstructing some element of the church that they're a part of, and so how do you take your questions about your current church to the leader of that church? Yeah. And then for the pastor, it's really hard to hear that stuff and and have differentiation. And so I think for pastor, that's why it's really hard. I think for people to talk about their questions with their pastor is that they're f- afraid. Their question will be interpreted as a critique, and it very well may be a critique. Um, and so for some of us, we don't, rather than taking the question to the people who actually have the authority in the community to make a change, we take it elsewhere. We take it to, I mean, I, again, I got a spiritual director and a counselor, but that doesn't give me permission to not be invested in my family and in my relationship with my church. And right. there's, I don't know, they, 
to not export those questions to other environments. Maybe for some of us, we have to, because for some who are in abusive, very dangerous church environments, that's our only option. We've yeah. got to have a lot of compassion on that when that does happen. Um, I was, uh, this last week, it was my friend, Josh Butler, uh, who pastors in Tempe, Arizona, had me on his podcast and uh, he went to, we actually went to high school together. We graduated really? from high school together. And we both were coming remin- reminiscing. All, a lot of the people that we were following Jesus with in high school 20 years ago or whatever are no longer Christians. Yeah. And it, and I don't, it's a, it, there's a sadness that comes with that. You feel alone. You feel isolated. You feel like a little abandonment, actually. Yeah. It's hard. There's an yeah. emotional side to having other people that you love go through these journeys. But at the same time, in the midst of that uh, sense of loneliness, there's real camaraderie with the person of Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. We need a lot of grace and a lot of patience and differentiation. Um, but it's really possible. And friends, if you are walking with somebody who is going through these sorts of things, be extraordinarily patient, kind, present, don't ignore it, mm-hmm. but also don't let the people asking questions um, bring you to a point where you are abandoning or walking away from your faith. Be merciful to those who doubt, right? Don't we have a text about this? I mean, Jude Jude tells us that, dear friends, be merciful to those who doubt. You can't be merciful to somebody you don't have a relationship with. Yeah. You know, I just keep going back to the idea that um, the best way I think to be a friend is to be there for them and with them while all still also still maintaining your own Christian faith and practices so they can see, hey, you know, my good friend is is still hanging in there. Maybe I can be in there with them. Yeah. Yeah. With. I heard somebody once say that's the most important word in the New Testament yeah. is the word with. Christ with us. I think you said that. I've, I've heard a sermon. Have I said probably. that? Have I said that in a sermon? <laughs> yeah. Probably. It was a good sermon. I'm sure it was awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. It's good to be with, with you, Nijay. Absolutely. And um, thanks for listening to the In Faith and Doubt podcast. And we'll be back again. God's grace in your day. God is with you. Thanks for making space in your life to hear what we have to say. Blessings.